Free Spirit Academy is about the freedom to be fully yourself beyond any trauma that may have been accumulated through our families, religions, education systems, cultural conditioning, and beyond. Our bodies hold our trauma, but they also hold our truth. My name is Randy Moss. I practice eating psychology coaching and somatic experiencing, and I'm grateful that you're here for these talks and conversations. I do cringe a bit using the words healing or journey because the internet is so saturated, oversaturated with wellness teachers and spiritual teachers. And I'm not interested in any way, despite despite everything that this podcast is about and everything, all that I put on social media, I'm not interested in making healing my whole personality. But simultaneously, I've always had this very deep interest in why things hurt, what any kind of pain, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical, is saying. And coming from a background of religious and family trauma, and being queer, and as a young person, undiagnosed neurodivergent, and all of the ways that those pains spiraled out, so into years of an eating disorder and self-harm depression, anxiety, dissociation, and chronic health symptoms, I became fixated at some point on what it would take to feel free. And that was just my word that I latched onto, my feeling that I latched onto. And that wasn't, um, when I say free, I don't mean perfect or stagnant or just so free and independent that I don't need anybody or need anything, but free and safe enough to be in my body and express what was true and real about myself. Because it also seems to me that that is when we do the least amount of harm, when we're not always running our automatic patterns or needing constant coping or distracting, and we can actually take in the world around us and other beings around us and also learn from them about what they need. So whether I like the term or not, I found myself on a healing journey, and I would say that began when I got fired from my door-to-door missionary job and started extricating myself from my church and from toxic family patterns, and I was about 19. And I was in the thick of struggling with food still and with my body, and I had so much accumulated trauma that it was just my normal. So many of... uh, painful feelings and painful patterns and repeating cycles. So many things that I just did not see because they were all I had ever known. And still in all of this, taking those initial steps felt incredible. And in fact, something I wish I could have told myself at various points is that there is not a final heaven destination point. There's no one point where all of the things on all of the levels are healed and then you live happily ever after. Simultaneously, we don't have to wait until all of the things on all of the levels are healed to start feeling better than perhaps you do now. And as I share this, I am not claiming that now, about 18 years later, that I am perfectly healed in all the ways, but my gosh, things are better 
And I feel more well and more like myself than I ever have. I feel more free and safe in my body and mind than I ever have. And certainly I think and have noticed that as that happens and as our capacity for things gets bigger, I it also seems that life offers us bigger things to look at and more complex and layered things to look at and to heal and to grow into. And this has, this has also been very true and continues to be very true. But things, life, my body, my general state of being, being better than they ever have been, more resilient than they ever have been, certainly, I got to thinking about all of the missteps and just misunderstandings up until this point. And that's what I want to share today. So I've collected this into a top 10, mostly because that sounds ear-catching, eye-catching. So... Starting out with number one, one of the biggest misunderstandings was trying to fix everything with food. And let me just say that anyone suggesting that all healing can happen via your wellness regimen either isn't telling the truth or they were already doing everything else they needed to do. So when they found what they needed to support themselves dietarily, it worked. For me, there was both the belief that the perfect diet would fix everything, all of my health symptoms and chronic pain and all of my mental and emotional pain. And I believed that my struggle with binge eating was the thing keeping me from feeling free. When the truth was, it was this very sweet little scapegoat on the surface of things. Because food was something seemingly simple, something I could potentially control if I got it together, it was simpler to hold on to as this likely cure-all, rather than the truth that healing was going to be far more complex and that if I wasn't hyper-focused on food all the time, I would have to feel everything underneath and inside of me, and that felt overwhelming and impossible to deal with. So number two, assuming I had no trauma because my childhood seemed normal. But of course it did because it was all that I knew. And what I didn't know is what trauma was. That, and I take the Peter Levine perspective on this, that trauma isn't in the event that happened, but rather in the effect that exists in our bodies. So the survival energy, the fight, flight, freeze energy that continues running in our systems, incomplete, because this energy wants to rise up and complete itself, rise and fall, activate and deactivate, this energy still exists in um, a state that's not appropriate for the moment long after the initial event took place. So this can be anything from the obvious, like abuse or being in a car accident, to the seemingly normal where maybe we just weren't supported or allowed to be who and what we actually were. Or maybe we had needs that went unmet consistently over time. And these can lead to the same kinds of responses in our body. Three, assuming I was at peace when really I was numb or dissociated. I was told so many times by fellow church members that they saw the spirit of God in me 
or that I was the calm in the middle of the storm, or that I had this sort of angelic presence and energy. And I always thought that was weird because they, what they were really seeing, and I certainly didn't know this at the time, but what they were really seeing was this high level of dissociation. Like I was floating around somewhere, just quiet and daydreamy, rarely feeling much of anything at all. And this was a result of my body experiencing a lack of safety so consistently. Number four, believing that my compulsive behavior patterns and binge eating was the one that seemed to sit on the top of all of them, believing that these compulsive behavior patterns were just willpower issues. There were years and years of thinking that healing was going to happen by being good enough being strict enough, and that if I could just stop the behavior, I would be healed. When the reality was, the behavior was just a symptom. The binge eating was a symptom, and you don't, in any case, just remove a symptom. You listen to it so you can trace your way back to the cause or causes. Five, and this is similar, aiming to transcend painful emotions or uncomfortable emotions rather than seeing them as messengers. The spiritual journey that I took after leaving the church was for a while pretty similar and just as disembodied, certainly, as the one that I had had in church. I found myself drawn to these new age, high vibe, uh, choosing love over fear sorts of teachers. And there are ways in which, again, this was minimally different from the conservative church that I had come from, and it was keeping me seemingly safe from having to tend to the parts of me that were anxious or sad or angry or confused. Number six, trying to do all of the healing work alone rather than including trusted friends, loved ones, and professionals. I really, really prided myself on not needing anyone or much of anything. I was the friend that my friends leaned on, and I would have felt mortified to do much of the leaning. And I was very self-motivated. I did a ton of work on my own that I am truly very proud of, sitting in my own space, exploring my thoughts and feelings and trauma responses, and I journaled and meditated and learned and grew to a point. Because as deeply important as self-responsibility was, at the end of the day, I do believe that we need each other. And part of my healing was learning to ask for help seeing where my limit was on what I could do for myself and taking that as my cue to find help. Whether that was a friend who understood what I was going through and was maybe a few steps ahead or a therapist, which admitted, admittedly was minimal amounts of help, um, or a somatic experiencing practitioner, which for me was a great amount of help. Finding supports helped me continue to do the work that I was doing on my own. Number seven, thinking that I was embodied because I did yoga and I thought so much about what I was feeling. 
There is a massive difference between feeling what we're feeling and thinking about what we're feeling. I would, for example, sit down for a kundalini yoga practice that was supposed to help a person to process anger. And rather than feeling, so physically feeling the anger in my body, which was heat and this tension in my arms or legs or throat, I would just reel in my head about the thing that I was angry about. Learning to actually feel body sensation was a revelation. Number eight, making my practices so stressful. So think cold showers, long, intense breath work, fasting, making things so stressful that I would feel both good about myself and get a temporary high. <laughs> this. I loved teachers that would ask me to fast for as long as possible or get up at 4 a.m. to meditate. Whatever the most extreme thing was, that is what I was drawn to. And it makes sense because I was quite numb to my experience. So it took a lot to feel something and I was desperate to feel something. And these things I was drawn to would ramp up my stress response so intensely that I would, in a way, transcend anything negative or uncomfortable for a while. And I would start the day feeling high and light and accomplished, but without ever really touching my actual hurts or actual needs. Number nine, expecting healing to look a certain way. So for example, in my head, the healed version of me was just glowing and beautiful and happy all of the time and unaffected by anything and loved by everybody. I had visions of who I was at the end of all of this, and it was, it was this, just unquestionably worthy of love and respect. And it took time to see that the desire to be loved by everyone was just a desire to feel emotionally safe and to make up for the lack of secure attachment as a kid and, and as an adult to feel safe inside myself and to actually be myself, not this version of what I thought that looked like, be myself no matter what that looked like on the outside. And number 10 mistaking self-improvement for actually loving myself. So doing a three-month juice fast and calling it a self-love journey, when the truth was this self-love was entirely conditional on completing the fast and transforming myself. The massive self-help projects were never about getting to know myself and what my needs were. They were about fixing myself in the ways that I felt like I needed to be fixed so that the love would be possible. I pretty regularly go back and look at posts from earlier years of my business. And each year I talk about freedom and I talk about healing and I talk about how far I've come and, and I've continued training and pursued um. And the continued training that I've pursued uh, has influenced what I have to offer, of course. And now I can look back at posts from seven, eight years ago and think like, wow, that, that person, that lady didn't know anything. Um, but it's not 
it's not true. I was still successfully helping clients and I had found my way to the other side of an eating disorder and I had left behind a cult-like religion that I had been in my entire life and was very serious about and done years of healing from religious trauma. And I had come out to my family and I had parted ways out of necessity with some of them. And at that time, seven, eight years ago, I've lost track now, I felt more free in my skin as ever, than ever. And simultaneously, my gosh, there was, there was so much more to come. And as I tie this up here, I anticipate that there always will be. episode. For more updates on courses, classes, one-on-one mentorships, and more, go to randymoss.com, R-A-N-D-E-M-O-S-S.com. And thank you so much for listening.